Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, everybody. Welcome to episode 387 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Aniston. Send you over to Jason Rugard. He's got a rundown for us. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking about the latest in theaters, Mission Impossible 7, No Hard Feelings, and The Flash, as well as the Netflix release Extraction 2, Renfeld, and In the Name of the King, Dungeon Siege. That's that Jason Statham movie that came out about a decade and a half ago, but this we is a director's bowl. cut. Yeah, we both film. You know, we're big bowl fans. We uh, interviewed him a while back. You can check that out on Movie Mavericks. But we're going to talk about the director's cut of that, as well as the trailers for The Last Voyage of the Demeter? How do we say this? Is it Demeter? Yeah. All right, Demeter. Uh, And Champions. Is it Challenge? No, it's Challengers. Challengers. I I don't. I want to call it. I'm giving them too much praise. It's that Woody Woody Allen movie that not Woody Allen. Good lord, Uh, Woody Harrelson movie that came out not too long ago. You're right. That would have uh, been Champions. You were talking about Woody Allen earlier. (laughs) This is the Zendaya film that that we're talking about now. So that's going to be Challengers, as well as Haunting in Venice, the latest Kenneth Branagh. Hercules Perot entry. So a lot to talk about tonight. But first, as we do, it's going to be a little bit of trivia. Trevor, fire up that trivia machine you got over there. All right. Each thief is assigned a color as a code name in the film Reservoir Dogs. Which color is Quentin Tarantino's character assigned? Pink, yellow, brown, or black? Oh, God, is it yellow? Mr., uh... I thought it was yellow. Hmm... Yellow not or brown? Pink. It's not pink because that's Buscemi's bullshit. It's not black. No, that's Madison. Sure I want to say. Yeah. Um, I would. I yeah. I would. I'm gonna venture yellow. to say yellow. Okay, I'm gonna stick with yellow as well. No. Nope. It was brown. Sons of bitches. How do we mm. not know this? This is right in our fucking wheelhouse too. I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs in forever. It's true. I haven't seen Pulp Fiction in a long time. I've been meaning to revisit that. Yeah, that is actually one that I've been looking at. As well, we'll have to do a retro at some point. All right, what else we got? Got another one? Uh, George Raft and Humphrey Bogart play brothers in this film. Bogey loses a hand in an automobile accident. We got High Sierra, They Drive by Night, The Hand, or The Harder They Fall. I got no friggin' idea, actually. Oh, man. It's not The Harder They Fall. It's, I'm, uh, I, I mean, I just guess and say High Sierra. It's one of the first two. Nope. It is They Drove by Night. Uh, Maggie Carpenter is a woman with the terrible habit of running out on her grooms on their wedding day and runaway bride. How many men has she run out on in the start of the film? Four, three, five, or none of these. My initial was seven, and then I thought four, and then you said four. Oh, let's go four. I'm getting crushed tonight anyways. Nope. Ugh. It was three. This is some bullshit tonight. <laughs> We're not we stopping until we get a win. We got a real low number on this one. Let's try this. We got a, look at that. Number 56. All right. What is the only film in which Julia Roberts, oh, interesting, has appeared with her brother Eric Roberts? Blood oh. Red. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Do you know why I know this? I got to tell you a story. Because... A kid <laughs> ding, ding, ding. that I went to—I gotta tell you a story why I know this though. A kid that sure. I went to elementary school with was in that movie, p- 
playing as an hmm. extra and he danced with Julia Roberts in a scene. And that was and his Eric big Roberts. His big claim to fame was that he was in this movie called Blood Red with Julia Roberts before she was famous. Now, this is pre-internet, so you could never find this out. This movie was hard to find. But I always recalled that. So I remembered that that was – that's how I recall that movie, basically. Very strange story. But a kid I knew was in that movie. Well, we got one finally. Yeah. Finally, that paid off, you know, that, that peripheral knowledge of that movie after having that in my head for 35 years. Let's talk about some real films, and I want to talk with you about Extraction 2, because I know you weren't the biggest fan of Extraction 1. I thought I was kinder to it than you were, uh, as I listened to our review before we got on here of the original one. You were pretty harsh on it. How's the second one shape up? Should I watch it? What's going on? Look, I think, well, if you like the first one, you probably would enjoy this. Um, It's right on par with it. Again, it's just... It it's like a video game. It's like watching a video game. You know, it's very. Um, I don't know. Like you, I just it doesn't draw me in very well. And um, with the long uh, shot, you know, the whole the this like a twenty minute long shot, just action, 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 which should be cool. But I just feels like I'm watching someone play a video game. I know these oneers, these one-shot things are becoming very, very popular with the John Wick stuff, and uh, really Scott Atkins made a direct-to-video movie that was just basically a one-shot. Mm-hmm. It's it, it does become a little monotonous. I appreciate the choreography. I mean, Old Boy was one of the best to do it. That, that sequence. But that's in that. what you're watching after a while. Yeah, I know. I agree with you because you're not watching story though. After a while, you're just watching a dance, an action sequence. Yeah, and it's like this is not. There's nothing happening here. I don't know about this character. I don't care about any of these characters. I don't. I could give a shit if this guy dies or that people die. It just doesn't matter. Like I'm just, and it calls so much attention to itself. Like it's. It's just too cool, you know, like I don't, I, I being, doing a, a continuous shot nowadays and you know, it's not continuous, um, is a fucking joke with digital technology. It's just, it's not, you didn't do anything, you know, you spent some time, you know, figuring this out and, and executing it. Sure. But it's nothing like what it would have been back in the day. It's not Orson Welles's touch of evil with a 12 and a half minute opening shot on film and choreography. No, and there's plenty of, of long sequence shots that like Spielberg does it all the time and stuff, but they're not this long. Like this is abnormally long and you feel it. And I know people have said good things about that because it, then it makes you feel like you've been through all this action with this, these characters and stuff like you, you feel tired after it gets over. But that's kind of an issue with me is that I feel tired during it and I stop giving a shit. <laughs> you know what I, what my analogy of this is because the wonder has become so ubiquitous in action films is that it is today's version of the shaky cam that we had 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every, every action film is trying to it's accomplish so realistic this. right now. So realistic. Look at it. And it literally feels to me like a video game. Cause this is how video games are. Um, if you watch or play video games or do, any of that this is exactly how they play out and it just i don't it's uninteresting to me like in a video game setting it makes a lot of sense because you're interacting with it i'm not interacting with this i'm just watching it and i'm here to watch a story you know and i'm not being told a story how did they bring him back wasn't his character dead did i misread the first film's ending uh yeah so they just like hard to kill him you know he just like fucking uh he just works out a little bit, does his uh, his therapy, and he's fucking back, man. 
Okay, so he was just hiding at the bottom <laughs> of the ocean, waiting to be yeah, reawakened. Yeah, he got hurt pretty bad, you know, but um, a little bit, a little bit of working out and stuff, and a little bit of, of this and that, and he's fine. He's good to go. Yeah, I heard that's how it works usually. How do we like Hemsworth as yeah. an action hero? Is he still viable in the role? Do you still like I, him as a I'd character? Like the, I think he's likable, yeah. I like by a lot more than uh, a lot of people that came out of Marvel stuff. Um, he certainly looks the role. I just don't like the direction, um, I guess, or, or the writing. What I don't know what the hell it is because it's just... Um, I don't know. We'll talk a little bit about John Wick 4 because I feel like that's the same thing as this. Like where it just, it kind of, you lose the point of the movie or the point of the movie is just to have a bunch of action, which is, I don't, not that great to watch. It's like going and it'll be like watching, like I have a Kung Fu movie for you and then you watch it and it's just like some guy you know, practicing Kung Fu for two hours. It's not, it's not that cool. You know? well, it's like the old tournament like, movies. Where's the story? After a while, those mm-hmm. direct-to-video kung fu tournament movies became all about fight scenes, you know, the, the in the in the ring, and nothing about the actual characters. And Bloodsport works, Rocky works, because you care about the characters as well as the action that's happening on screen. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, I can skip this one and, and not be any worse off. Yeah, you know, as with most Netflix things, I just it's not worth it. Do you know what seems? For me very obvious to me and I don't know what project they can do it but they're both under contract with Netflix to some extent but let's get a buddy movie with Wahlberg and Hemsworth I think that would be decent chemistry that would actually be really good yeah I think that you know we you got Peter Berg under contract over there let's let's get a script going and I, I'm surprised they haven't matched yeah, them Peter up Berg yet and Netflix well he was did Spencer Confidential over there so I mean he's he's done projects it's been for a while them. since that uh, I mean, I don't think he's had a project released though since that. Uh, I thought that I could recall at least. What is? Uh, I mean, Mark Wahlberg's not even in with Netflix anymore anymore, is he? Well, he just he had did... that Kevin Hart film, The Me Time, that came out. That wasn't that long ago, right? That was what last summer, You're right? Was and that was Netflix, huh? It was. I can't yeah. Remember if that was Netflix, I, mean, I can't remember which ones they were on because he had that in Infinite movie, and that but that was, was what, Paramount announced? because that was supposed was to be a say... theatrical release that they dumped on the Paramount. I know, but they're all interchangeable at this point the theatrical and the streaming they're all shit so i don't uh they're <laughs> underwhelming you know what do you want me to do they well they spend the same amount of money on on them pretty much yeah it's true um You're not I mean, this is a big budget movie um this could play in a theater no problem like extraction two it's it seems ridiculous but um yeah they they're spending a lot of money on this i Realistically, if they had made ex- these movies for less money and had forced these guys to do some artistic decisions and to do some stuff, um, you know, where they had to make actual choices, it probably would be a lot better movie or at least more interesting to watch. What do you think? It's a problem of having too many resources. Hundred percent. I think um, that's almost everything at this at this point. Um, I, I think people need to bleed a little bit, you know, and and they're not at all bleeding. Yeah, no hard choices are being made at any at any point. I mean, we used to have DVDs, Blu-rays come out where they had tons of deleted mm-hmm. scenes on them. Now, all the deleted scenes are actually still in the theatrical cut, it feels like, which is why you're getting these running times. <laughs> yeah. 
Speaking of long movies, I saw mm-hmm. Mission Impossible 7, a.k.a. Dead Reckoning Part 1, going against my own personal motto of never watching a movie that has a Part 1 or Part 2 <laughs> in it, unless it's a true sequel like Rocky 2, Rocky 3. Mission Impossible, though. I know, but you know, this is a series that I think I love, right? I, I've seen them all in the theater. Yeah. I love Tom Cruise. <laughs> and I'm really mm-hmm. doing some hard thinking about this series after I saw this last one. And I gotta be honest with you i think i love about 40 percent of the series i like (laughs) another 20 percent and i dislike the you know the remaining you know 40 percent so i I just the whole what was how was yeah it goes 40 20 40 at this point um but it's just it's a strange mix of the series because i I'm in the minority in that I love part two. I love the the long hair, John Woo, doves mm-hmm. flying, Hans Zimmer score. Everybody is gorgeous and the action is over the top and it's 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 intense and thematic. Number two is my absolute favorite. After that, I really like part five. I don't know why I'm giving my rundown, but I am. And after that, <laughs> I go number one and then I go six, four, I'm sorry, six, and then I probably put seven and four, meaning that Fallout, which I didn't Where's love. Three? Oh, three I forgot about. Yeah, three somewhere in the middle That can't rungs. be last. It no, certainly can't be worse than Fallout. It, it's in the middle or rungs. Not, it, it's, Fallout's yeah, Fallout's better. Fallout's number four. Yeah, right? Fallout's, Fallout is, is above it. And so is this. I mean, t- in terms Is it? Of, uh, Fallout's fucking terrible. It, it's, the thing is this. <laughs> it, it, compared to this, Fallout what? is uh-huh. a lot better of a movie this is a movie don't say that i'm telling you trevor this movie is too dense that can't be true it this is a movie that uh, just to get Mm. to i'm not spoiling anything for anybody sounds like a james bond problem it is it's they have a james bond problem here and i want to get to that in a second but let me tell you this just to exemplify what's going on here the opening credit scroll doesn't come for over 30 minutes into this movie we don't get the light (laughs) diffuse until almost 40 minutes into this fucking movie I'm not kidding. No. I'm telling you, it's so bizarre. <laughs> this movie starts with this you under- You get a first act before you get the fucking- Oh, dude, I was checked out <laughs> before credits? the fucking opening credits started. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a long run. <laughs> and, you know, there's no Ooh. real antagonist this time. It's this AI thing called the Entity. The 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 personification uh. of a villain is Asai Morales, who whispers and is underplaying his role because he's so dastardly, but it comes off as almost comical, like Pistachio Domingo in The Master of Disguises. I, I didn't understand what the <laughs> fuck was going on with this. And on and then you have the, the the typical I mean it's getting to a point where you have to have the obligatory characters check in, give them a random task. There's too much going on in that there's multiple, you know, it's okay if you have one sequence where there's multiple actions going on and the characters are working in conjunction, but at this point, it's overloading the audience and there's so much pontification happening. Maybe it wants us to do this. Maybe it really wants us to think it wants us to do that. But what if it really wants us to think that we think that we thought we did this? I felt like I was watching The Matrix Rev- Part 2. Excuse me. I'm kicking things over. I'm so mad. Um, but I, I was Just angry. <laughs> I was thinking that I was watching, you know, it's almost like that scene in The Matrix 2 where they have to sit down with the creator, where you just start scratching your head and going, this is more work than it's worth. And it's punctuated by these extended sequences of action, very similar to what you're talking about, where you get to the point where by the time he does the parachute jump, 
it you're I was tuned out and I felt like it was kind of blase. And I hate to say that, but the final sequence on this train. Why do the Mission Impossible movies always include a fucking train? But anyways, this train situation. Well, I thought that was a callback, right? It, it has to be. And that, this, have, for this one, is it not? W- w- it would be if it was a 20-minute sequence, but this thing goes on for an hour. Okay? <laughs> I'm not kidding. It goes on for an hour. He's on this fucking train. So that's a large chunk of the movie that's taking place in a visually uninteresting <laughs> setting that it's punctuated by a few things of action. Um, and I'm starting to feel tired for Tom Cruise. He deserves to make other movies at this point. I love his action stuff. I love He's failed. He has to go back to doing some other stuff at this point. To what? Jack Reacher's dead. The Mummy's dead. The Mummy was dead on arrival. <sighs> Think about how much stuff is absolutely dead. I mean, Top Gun is dead. Um, not because it wasn't good, but because there's no more story there to be told. Right. I agree. Uh, I think Tom Cruise might be screwed. If this is no good, as you say, if this has a the James Bond problem, which is that it James Bond did not stop world building. I've, I've, that, those damn Daniel Craig movies started off so great because it was just fucking James Bond and then it went nothing but world building just oh the Daniel Craig James Bond look at this and he does this and it's like his past is like this and these people are like oh blah blah that's why it's the same problem Trevor you're explaining to yeah. me the first act of this movie because now we're talking about so uh, this is escape this up until now this is this uh, well I, I thought uh, number four um, which uh, the reason I think that's the worst Mission Impossible, maybe not anymore, but is because it fell into this trap where it tried to create Ethan Hunt as just the coolest fucking dude ever, um, which is nonsense. He wasn't vulnerable and then it, at four. It, it righted itself in the in the in the in the, in the, in the next two. It righted itself, you know. And now you're telling me it's fallen into this crack of like. Uh, uh, it thinks it's too big, you know, it's, it, it, it just, it, which is what Tom Cruise has done with those Jack Reacher movies. And he did it with the fucking mummy too. He, they're too big it, for it's what those stories are too much story it, it, in the pursuit of yep. being story as King. It's too much story. You've overstuffed. And now the audience, you, you don't have the time to keep up with this movie in that it wants you it's it's too exact it's too all over the place and really it's not interesting to have tom cruise versus ai it's just not i'm it's just it's, I it's know, not it a, sound. it's not an interesting premise to me so unless unless this was like a quasi sequel to stealth i'm not interested and even that was it had a b movie <laughs> campiness whereas this is dead serious and every dollar is thrown at it and Bro, stealth is long as fuck too it I, is I, it, 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 I, mean, I love that movie for the failure that it is but i watched no time to die the other day just to see which i hated uh-huh. just to see if i was too harsh on that and I still have major problems with that. And I do say that this Mission Impossible at least isn't as bad as No Time to Die because it doesn't totally disrespect the franchise and the character. You but know? just like that, we're now encroaching on such self-seriousness that there's very little fun. Yeah. There's very little fun in this movie. There's very little humor. Well, does this have the... And this I'm going to get only guess this has an, an exponential John Wick 3 issue where it knows there's a part two. And so you get that. Yep that half-assed fucking ending, which is just like, we'll wrap it up real quick for you, but just be aware that this will be unwrapped at the beginning of the next movie. Absolutely. And it's, it, the, the, you know, it's a long haul to get to a very unsatisfying conclusion. And it has such an extended... Because train- it's not a real conclusion. It's not. It's, it's a placeholder. And it's not like yeah, a good placeholder where you go, shit, I can't wait to see how that resolves itself. I really don't give a fuck how it resolves it at this point. I, I really don't. That was one of the reasons I thought John Wick 3 was such a... Uh, I won't say that's a bad movie, but that was one of the reasons that it is a, not as good as it could have been was because it knew there was a fourth movie and it knew that it needed an ending, but it was a non-ending. 
I, I do want to give credit, though, to one person in the movie. I mean, Cruz is hardworking as always. That goes without saying. You know, the other characters come on, they do their thing. But Haley Atwell is a great addition to this. And she actually has chemistry with Cruz, which I didn't think Rebecca Ferguson does. It's her Isla Foss character, you know, the, the MI6 assassin. I don't think she's very mm-hmm. well cast. But I thought that Haley Atwell, who's not only easy on the eyes, but is very good as an actress. Yeah, I like her. So. And a, as a character in the film. So nice addition. Mm. I wish they could have figured out a little bit more to do with her. But there, it's leading somewhere. But then well, again, am I invested enough to see another one? I don't know. What do I you am. What do you think about second? Because this is basically on par. It's a little under, but this has been not a good year. So this is on par, I'd say, with the last Mission Impossible. Is that box office? Yeah. Do you think this has a huge drop off then second weekend? Yeah, I do because it's so it's it's so heavily self important. It's so long. It's not the summer blast that you're looking. It's not Top Gun is the best way I can uh, say it. Let me ask you something else about this. Because I I think box office, studios are fucking weird right now. Obviously, there's a big strike going on. There's, um, they don't, it feels like for for a second there, in the 2010s, it felt like they nailed it. They formulaically knew what the fuck everyone wanted to see. And once COVID hit, after that, they weren't quite too sure. And now it's obvious they have no fucking idea what they're doing. Um. Did they just help themselves by part one and part two shooting back to back? Now it doesn't fucking matter, right? There's there is a next one after this, regardless. This cannot sink this. No, it, yeah, they're already. I think mostly shot. Like, is that the not next the reason one. they did this? Yeah, I think that. I also, know that's what I'm saying. They thought you know Paramount was drunk off the success of Top Gun, so let's throw money at it. I mean, Cruz can. There's do no- nothing left. I mean, look, they they put out these Transformers movies, and they don't do very well. They don't do that much. Like nobody has anything. Um, this doing very well and marvel is cratered almost everything is has fallen through at this point uh i it's almost like they they want to keep re- making the movies they used to make but they don't know how to make them anymore <laughs> well you haven't invested in any new actors new stars new talent so what's the draw i mean how many directors well, do have, you go see their failed. work and even if they have work that you you love oh yeah then they get into true. the machine of the marvel machine and they become blah bland and there's no difference between a ryan coogler marvel usually movie they don't or somebody else's yep usually so, they they quit they don't actually make the movies no they actually hire name name directors they just they keep, they don't they they just won't work with them because it's impossible to work there. Yeah, and so I just think that this is a big uh, letdown for me because this was probably the most anticipated it's movie crazy. this summer, and uh, I'm really. But what does number in two this. do now? That's my that's my. I mean, the box office is bad now. We're guaranteed a future of shit. Obviously, we're guaranteed a part two to this. People didn't really like part one. They're not going to be able to save a part two. Um, you know, they're not gonna be able to change it drastically to make it a, a better movie or anything. They're going to wind up with what they got. The people I've talked to, um, it's all negative word of mouth and they as can't, well. No one else can work on it. The, the, with all the strikes and stuff, they can't really do very much of anything to them to fix any of this stuff. Their pipeline's totally fucking clogged with shit. Uh, yeah, this is going to be crazy. Like next year is going to be nuts. Yeah, very bad for the whole state of the industry. But this was shot during COVID. The budget's $290 million. I have no idea. It's going to make money, but this is going to definitely be viewed ultimately as a disappointment in the U.S. at least. 
right, let's move on. It might not make money. Let's talk about um, Reinfeld. I want to talk oh, about okay. this Nicolas Cage flick. Ren- that Renfield. Is Renfield. Sorry, Reinfeld. Renfield. Um, I hate whatever the hell it this, is. Maybe yeah. that's why this movie didn't make shit. Directed by Chris <laughs> McKay, the guy behind Tomorrow mm-hmm. War, which I thought was a really good, fun little movie. I was looking forward to this because I am a big Nicolas Cage fan. And once uh-huh. again, he was the best part of the movie. He's great. Hands down. I love this I understand why the movie, movie wasn't just him. Why did this movie <laughs> I know, all concentrate? I, wanted, I just wanted to see him. I wanted to see him the whole time. I just uh, More Nicolas Cage, please. More Nicolas Cage is Dracula. It's fucking awesome. Not only that, more of their relationship together. Why was this all... All the interesting parts had already happened in this movie. They give you a very brief look at it, but yeah. the story that they decided to tell... It was a young tell, adult love story. That's what it is, the, right? And so it doesn't... It really didn't pan out very well. Uh, mainly because... The, the people in this aren't really young adults or funny. Um, I don't know that it has to be funny necessarily, but it was certainly light, but it wasn't, I'm, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm with you on this. I think this was the wrong story to be told out of this. Uh, obviously Nicholas cage outshined everyone on it. He was super interesting, very fun to watch. And then, you know, Nicholas Holt was just eh, average and Aquafina. No, I'll give it up to her and maybe the the director, Chris McKay, on this. And that the fight sequences, uh, she was actually pretty good in them, but they were unbelievable. Like, why is she? She could fucking do everything Renfield could do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, when when they, well, come on. Remember the action sequence in the the hotel or whatever? Or the apartment building, whatever the fuck it was? Like, she just knocked the shit out of everybody. And he was, like, running around doing... Um, his superhero stuff, but his stuff was like, he had to work so hard. It felt like to do the things that he was doing. Like he was making bad choices and everything. And she was well-trained, I guess. Maybe that was the whole point of it. I don't know, but uh, it just didn't make any sense. Like she was just killing full on like cops who were just, you know, saddled up with gear and all kinds of shit. She's just shooting them left and right, killing everybody the unstoppable force of death, you know, (laughs) I was like, uh, I guess, like, why she need Renfield to fucking go kill Dracula? What's going on? It's her Michelle Yeoh moment. Uh, but I just thought that the movie, I, I'm not an Aquafina fan, and I, she's, I guess, serviceable in the role, but they're, they're cast way too old for, I really think, what you were saying. Yes, that's what I think. And, mm-hmm. the, and not only that. It's not a young adult thing, but they play it like a young adult um, I didn't think story, they had any chemistry. Did you think they had chemistry at all? No, not at all. And half that I'll put... Uh, look, I like Nicholas Holt a lot. Um, I I agree. I don't think Aquafina is is very interesting to watch on screen at all. Like, she, she doesn't emote very well. Um, yeah, if right. at all. No, you're right. That's, that's exactly right. And it's just dialogue. Like, she's almost like rehearsed dialogue and just reciting it to me. That's, you know... Like yeah. She's waiting to talk. I, I just... I find her unctuous. I, I can't describe it either way, but... Uh, I, I did think that the movie th- did have a very odd mix of laughs here and then excessive gore. So I didn't really know what what are you trying to appeal to here, the horror crowd or the comedy crowd? Because they thought they didn't do either successfully. Yeah. And, and put this in terms of movies that came before it that reminded me of it was Vampire in Brooklyn, which I actually, even though that movie's a fucking tank, mm-hmm. thought was more successful than this is, at least in trying to accomplish what it sets out to sure. do. Well, yeah, I mean, I think... What you're most looking at here is like a warm bodies type thing. I see if you're talking about Nicholas Holt, um, which is a, a million times Way better, better movie um, than this. But it's also um, a much. It's also ten years old 
at this point like how much younger were those the actors in that was nicholas holt was 10 years younger in that movie you know it it works as a, a young adult film um this does not and that movie had a lot of heart in it obviously there's no I just feel like there's no heart in this. It's a soulless creation. It's a product of its time is what I would say about it, unfortunately. Very forgettable. It's available right now on Peacock streaming for Except free. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage had a lot of heart in it. I'll throw that out there. As always, he puts his all that, into that everything. Dude, that dude delivers. Yeah, because I, I I think I texted you when we were watching this. Um, yeah, more Nicholas Cage, please. You know, that, that's all I wanted to watch when I watched this movie was Nicholas Cage, especially after you see him for the first time. It's like, fuck. There's two things that we can always use more of. One is more cowbell, <laughs> the second is more Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Can always use more of those. <laughs> all right, let's move on and talk about The Flash. This is the notorious bomb of the summer. Big, big expectations. I personally thought that Michael Keaton returning as Batman was going to get a lot of people excited. And that's not been the case. It got um, me excited until I had word of mouth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I told you that I was going to see this movie not because it was a Flash movie, but more because it was Batman Returns Part 2. You know? A lot of people said that, yeah. And when I saw this, I realized from the opening sequence... You know, let's put aside Ezra Miller's problems outside of the movie. I'm talking about strictly in the movie. I find him to be visually uninteresting to look at. I think he is a good actor, but I think that his character (laughs) and what he's doing here, it's almost like on the spectrum, Barry Allen, it, it bothers the shit out of me. This whole the way he treated people in this movie, I just I hate. Barry Allen's supposed to be really smart, and he does not come off as smart to me. Did you? Or intellectual, I should say. Also, my problem is this whole time traveling element with Young Barry. Young Barry to me was like handicapped Marty in Back to the Future (laughs) Two. I didn't see where he. You know what I'm talking about? Where he finds the younger version of himself and he can't put on the jacket. It's like that, but it's like an hour and a half of that, and I can't. Um, That got old real (laughs) fucking quick to me. I mean, I I saw a a good amount of the Flash uh, CW show, and it was really good for a while until it got um, until it wasn't. But that was like five or six seasons in before it wasn't good anymore. Uh, Like it was really good, and they did. the flashpoint stuff they did the when he um going back in time and uh, all this type of stuff they, they did it really well like i really enjoyed the hell out of that so um i was hyped about this but here from me what you said from a lot of people said and i recently saw on twitter the nicholas cage uh moment in this um when, when he's seen all the different superman stuff yeah and I, nothing can prepare you, or at least me anyways, for hearing the CGI is really bad. And I thought, that's interesting. And then people would come to the support of the film like, ah, well, it's supposed to be like that, this and that. And you think that's weird that people would feel the need to you know, come to the aid of the movie. Like, how, how bad could the CGI be? Like, in my mind, I couldn't think it would be that bad. It, bro, it's that was unbelievable to see it. I wanted to see that movie. Like, though. It's so. Tell me you didn't want to see that Nicolas Cage movie where bad. he fights the spider, though. Come on, that I was not like, really because that that scene's nothing. It's just it's absolutely nonsense. It's just noise. The whole movie's. Um, fucking I'd noise. love to see the movie, but it, I would guess that it is because all those cameos and stuff that they had in there, Christopher Reeve, all of it, they look so fucking. Fa- it looks like a video game. 
It looks so bad. It's unbelievably bad. And the Nicolas Cage fight in the spider is just like, it, it's like some 13 year old's dream of that, of hearing the Kevin Smith story and then going, ah, I imagined it as this. And you think, well, there's no story there. There's nothing there. All those cameos. And I can only imagine now the, what the Batman cameo is like in this. Um, it's just uh, wasted. Well, I gotta all say, all those cameras were wasted. Did you see any of the parts with Bruce Wayne, where Michael Keaton's playing the Bruce no, Wayne character? No, I still haven't seen any of that. Okay, that is probably more disappointing than the most aspects because his character, to me, in the way that they not now. The, let, me, let me start by saying this. Let me preface it by saying the set design is beautiful. They get the 1989 mansion. The area where Knox is walking through and say, he's the king of the wicker people. You know, this is like all of that stuff. The kitchen where he had the date with Vicki Vale, all done perfectly. However, the character hmm. from the way they dress Michael Keaton, who wears these Johnny Depp neck scarves, like neck handkerchiefs, like he's a British what? fucking French painter. And he's got long hair and he's a recluse. And he, everything he's saying betrays the character that I grew up with. So I'm thinking, oh, you don't even know what? who this person, this is, I, now it's just bullshit. What I'm, what I'm hearing is Fat Thor. Yeah, basically. It's, it's, it's a depressed Bruce Wayne who is this recluse. I'm so tired of these characters when they do this to these uh, characters like this. I'm so it's fucking tired It's just not a very good this. reimagining is my best way to, to say this, is, is the best way to get that across. Now, some of the good stuff. When they get Batman fighting in this, it looks fucking great. He is very involved in this movie. I did like all of that. When the Flash is doing his thing with Batman, that's always cool. To see the Ben Affleck cameo and the other Bat cameos is very cool. Are we? Gonna, do you know about the ending yet? Are you talking <laughs> like the final shot and all that kind of stuff? Are you privy to any of this? I don't know. Okay, but so I, maybe we'll, we'll feel wait. Feel free to do whatever you want. Right, well, let I mean, me, I don't let me care. give you a spoiler. So I'm going to say spoiler right now. Skip ahead one minute if you don't want to hear this. So at the very end of the movie, Barry Allen is there and he is back into his real timeline, and Bruce Wayne pulls up and out of the car steps Bruce Wayne. So my stepson who is nine Val Kilmer who is 19 looks at me and says who's the Indian guy and I said that's George Clooney so I was just gonna say it's is it Clooney, it was Clooney which Shut I, it up. is and I thought that was the most clever that is actually fucking awesome I thought that was the most <laughs> clever point of the entire movie that they got did that. he have nipples did he have nipples? It, it, no, on but his he did. But suit. he did have a very nicely formed ass. You know, it was very, very formed on there. So, but uh, no, but I was not Indian. That's George guy. Clooney, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. That's it was endearing. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. And then that does not make a good movie. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> but, still, but it's a yeah, fun way to end great. the movie. So, um, you know, end of spoilers there. We'll move on after that. But I, I do want to revisit this when you get a chance to watch the full thing, as opposed to just. Um, you know, significant chunks of it to get your your hot take on it because I want to make sure I'm not being an asshole and I haven't lost touch because I I was ready to like this movie and thirty it's the, been the same from everyone so I don't know first act in I thought man we're really in trouble especially when you're making so many references to Back to the Future you're pulling me out of the superhero movie oh really oh man you got to oh dude be, to the mm. point where it's annoying. It's there's too many things going on, you know, with the lightning and the it's it's too much. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you'll you'll see down the line. But I, as a negative, do not see the flash, as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's move <laughs> on and talk about In the Name of the King, this director's cut. You want to do that? Yeah, let's talk about mm. this. I, I do want to talk about this movie here. I want to hear no hurt feelings, but all right, we'll do In the Name of the King because uh, I recently watched this. Uh, you actually turned me on to this. There's a Blu-ray uh, extended cut of this, which has like... Um, I want to say 20 to 30 more minutes. I think it's like 40 um, minutes longer. I know. I'm trying to think now if it, if it was 40. Um, it was substantially longer of a film. It's already a long movie. It was two hours, I think, and 10 minutes in the theater, or two hours and 20 minutes in the theaters. Yeah, yeah. And now it's, it's like two and a half hours. I don't know. There's a lot of in credits. This is so. the Jason Statham, Uwe Boll film from 2005. Jason Statham, Uwe Boll, Ron Perlman, Ray Liotta, um, Lily Sobieski, you know, John Rice Davis, Claire Forlani, Christiana Loken, Matthew Lillard. It's fucking kind of a uh, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. It's kind of a hell of a cast. Ron Perlman? Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's a hell of a cast. And uh, the cast is actually, I think, used really well. This, I... <laughs> I think this is one of Uwe Boll's better movies. It is. Maybe I'm crazy. It's, hey, no, you're not. May, maybe, maybe you know, I've just been so soured on modern film so much to going back and watching this. Um, but uh, I remember seeing originally seeing the, uh, and I I can't tell you what exactly is different between this and the the theatrical cut, and I don't think you can necessarily either. Nope. <laughs> but um, but I remember liking it. But uh, watching this director's cut uh, i loved it i really enjoyed the hell out of this movie um from the beginning to the middle to the end to the, all the 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 ridiculousness that that i must have been cut out but has added back into this um i mean you have bad uh, the bad creatures which are like orc things um acting like keystone cops and yep. like just ridiculous like just just being like gremlins, you know, gremlins too. Just being completely ridiculous, so like lighting themselves on fire and shooting themselves at the enemy instead of, you know, uh, lighting a like putting a boulder and tar or something and shooting them out of the catapult. They shoot themselves at <laughs> just fucking nonsense, right? Um, and it's the movie starts off so seriously and and winds up like just having weird shit like that, and they just for a moment takes you out of the movie. But uh, I don't know, I just. <laughs> I, I don't know why I liked it. I just did. You don't have to be embarrassed, <laughs> my friend. I, I recommend it. I honestly it. can't explain it at this point because really that should be a huge complaint, but it just wasn't. Like the flow of the film and um, the way that they <clears throat> introduce all the actors and all the different characters and stuff, I, I just enjoyed the hell out of it. Here I am talking shit about Mission Impossible being two hours and 45 minutes. This movie's about two hours yeah. and 45 minutes, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. I sent you yeah. the link to watch this and I only did because I remember that I always wanted to like this movie. I like Statham. I bought the Blu-ray. Oh, did you watch the Blu-ray? Okay, so. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray, uh, you, so I own this. Um, well, well done then yeah. because it, it's worth owning. Well, I had to get it. And I think the original cut's about, like I said, two hours, 10, and this is around 2.45. And uh, yeah. the major difference is, like you said, that they, they have a lot more uh, quirky Quirky sidebars is, is the best way to kind of describe it. And I think the opening is a lot longer, too. I think the first act is quite a bit yes, longer. Yes, when Ron where, Perlman um, comes to visit. You see him with his family. And, yeah, when Ron Perlman comes over, and there's a lot of, like, family, like, familiar, like, uh, visiting and, like, uh, people sitting around tables and talk. I, and I don't know. There's something about movies, uh, like Sword and Sandals movies from this era that just don't get made anymore. And this felt like, to me, this was like... If they had made like a Conan movie in the 90s and had just spent fucking wads of money on it, 
this is what you would have wound up with and then decided like we're not going to do cgi and shit right we're just gonna spend wads of money. It's Roger Corman's fucking producing. <laughs> <laughs> and we got, you know, we actually have a budget. And that's what this movie felt like to me. I don't know. Uh, uh, perhaps that's a lot of its charm. I love really. sword and sorcery films. I love the fact that every scene had a famous face in it. And it was mm-hmm. camp, but these people were taking it serious. Burt Reynolds actually gives a decent performance. Ron Perlman's trying in this movie. He's very good. Matthew Lillard is at level 150, but at least he's doing something. So I have to give... He's a slimy... Yeah, he's the most overacting person in the whole thing. But he's spitting a slimy character. I mean, so. Literally slobbering his lines, but I love it in this movie. So everybody is giving it their all. The production looks great. The money is on the screen here. The the difference really, like I said though, is that in this version, I didn't get I didn't get bored even though it was longer. Does that make sense? Whereas the no. other version I got bored <laughs> in and it was shorter. I, I can't explain yeah. that though. No, I have no yeah. I thought the same thing. I I kept kept watching this movie and it's going on. And there was a moment I, I think about two hours in where I thought, oh my god. There's another fucking or an hour forty. So there was a moment when I looked at the clock and thought, "There's another fucking hour in this movie." Like, this is, uh, and I thought, "Oh man, this is gonna be rough," and it was not. It, it picked right, right the hell back up, and I was like, "Damn, I'm glad this movie is, is fucking three, almost three hours long." And it's a relic of its First time. First time in a long time. It's definitely a relic. You know, it's it's strange that Statham took this role. It's not his natural. Mm-hmm. He's not the natural choice for the role. Right. This is late. 2000 so everyone knows 2007 um so it's not super old like i say but it has that you you agree that this has like a yeah i know you're saying a mid 90s feel to it really it does maybe possibly even an early 90s it feels like it's straight out of the 80s but it's more advanced it's too advanced to be from the 80s do you know what it's very similar to is the dungeons and dragons movie from 2000 yes you know to that but but actually well more executed on a better level uh, to, to more proficiently. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with that cast and the fact that they must have filmed every page of the script. I don't think on this version, they left a page <laughs> out of the script. Pulled, <laughs> hey man, they pulled a Clint Eastwood, man. That, th- that script was all white pages. Yeah. It was all first all draft. 300 <laughs> fucking pages of them. And they fucking filmed all of, they're like, this is a perfect movie. I, I will don't say, don't change a Don't change a page. The very opening scene is so, still baffling and starts off where it just you have to orient yourself very quickly there's more than that that's baffling but yeah you have to get oriented so quickly that ray liotta's seducing this lady and they're in this kingdom and then there's like as they're talking there's establishing Uh shots too so you're thinking is this edited in some sort of non-linear fashion where i'm supposed to be is this a flashback what's going on here but you know as as a work well this has to be Lily Sobieski is like one of her last mainstream movies, right? If you want to call this mainstream, I have not seen her in a in forever, but let alone like just what like five years before this, I can't really think of much that she's been in. I think she's somewhere hanging out with the girl from Save the Last Dance. What was her name? Oh yeah, Julia Stiles. There you go. I think somewhere they're uh, hanging out. In a, <laughs> probably, a <collective>. probably right. <laughs> they bought a condo together with their their Save the Last Dance money and the Glass House money. Um, but yeah, so I, I yeah. found this to be a really enjoyable watch, and I think it's Uwe Boll's most accomplished work, which isn't saying much, but I do think that if you watch this and you even, you know, if you look at the worst movie that Roland Emmerich's ever done, which is 
a lot of them, but I'll say 10,000 BC. It's better than almost any. It's not, it, it, it's not that far from this version of In the Name of the King, well, though. I'll throw you this. This is an easy fucking movie to watch. I, I think I could watch this again. Um, relatively soon, huge which is a, a kind of yeah, a huge deal. Like that's ridiculous to me. I don't know why this is such a smooth movie. Maybe because it doesn't, it just doesn't try to be anything more than it is, but it doesn't, it's not less than what it is either. You know, it's not just some action nonsense and stuff. There's a, there's a real story going on. There's a, there's a plot, there's a point to it. There's characters who feel things who are manipulating each other, trying to do things. Um, but it's just so fucking easy to watch. I think that if they put this on Netflix, that this would get seen by a huge audience now. If if they just release this as is on Netflix, because um, these older films, get I don't watched. think anyone will like. I think it's just us, man. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. I think we're. I, I don't think very many people would still like this. I think people will watch this and go, "This is dog shit." I, I got to be honest. You know, we run in circles of film people, and I've never met two other people besides us that paid to see Alone in the Dark in a theater. So. I don't know anyone that likes Uwe Boll. Well, actually, that's not true. I do know a couple of people who like Uwe Boll, but they are—they also like the dog shit that we like. So I can't. Mm-hmm. Know, there's no accounting for taste, you know. I don't. I did watch Far Cry uh, the other night, which I hadn't seen in a long time. It's not bad. Uh, I actually kind of like it. I know that was a good one. Yeah, I, I do um, like that one. The Rampage ones, I are quite a bit of a step down, but um, the Far Cry is surprisingly good, and I have not seen. Alone in the Dark in a while, and I have that unrated director's cut of that that I'm dying to Ooh, watch. I, and you said you watched the 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 theatrical cut not too I long did. ago, and it was okay still? Yeah, it actually played fine. It's got that first 15-minute opening act. Well, first of all— I mean, It's got Christian Slater, so fuck. Alone in the on. Dark has the most baffling credit scroll where they try to like get you in, you know, <laughs> oriented with the film once again. Owe Bull has a problem where his movies just start, and there's— the exposition is so because they're video game movies, and they don't know how to put in the video game— they don't know how to switch over from the video game story into that, the movie Which is story. exactly the problem of Alone in the Dark, because it starts off with that that uh, prologue, and it makes no sense. And then the Christian Slater part starts, and that's like a 15-minute action sequence. So the movie holds up. A, a Tara Reid is is absolutely atrocious in it, and the sets are so thoroughbred. <sighs> but I love her so much. I mean, much. his office and her office. She's so bad. Dude, the Sharknado movies are classic. made from fucking I love them. Tara Reid and, um, and Ian what's his name? Um, overacting. Yeah. <laughs> It's his Harrison Ford moment. You know, I, I love, I fucking, I love the Sharknado it's movies. It's his only moment. Just listen to him talk about any of that shit. Listen to him talk about himself. He's hot on He's it. He's hot on himself. He's hot on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on and talk about, what's the next one here we got? Oh, No Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings. Tell me about this because you told me this is terrible. I want to hear the ins and the outs. Uh, I love Jennifer Lawrence. So do I. I feel like she's been making horrible decisions lately. And she has. And has no idea where the fuck her career is at or where her head is at. I don't know what's going on with her. It's not a good movie? It's not only not a good movie, it feels like it was a different movie that was cut and shaped into this movie. There are so many mm. loose ends and uh, odd motivations that don't line up with what you're seeing the characters do that I didn't, I felt like this whole thing was just dumped into the marketplace, that this was a, a bit of a lost project. So I'm, I'm, I think that the fact it's making money is that people are starved for comedies. They, it's a good date movie choice, and people like Lawrence. She's great as an act. I mean, the problem is this, too. She's funny, but she's such a good actress that those moments in a comedy that get serious that you're not supposed to take serious, she sells. So you kind of... 
yeah, get into it and then you realize <laughs> oh like this is not a real person or like huh. the logic doesn't make sense uh the the big uh-huh. the big scene the big gross out scene or the big kind of outrageous scene is this fight scene she has on the beach where she's completely nude and it's full frontal nudity and it's amusing for a minute but it goes on way too long it doesn't make sense for the the character the situation it's just not a funny movie there's they don't support her with anybody that's very funny the kid's not funny matthew broderick and and his wife sure as hell aren't funny so she's left kind of alone and swimming and, and left to do a lot of the hard work here and ultimately i didn't care about the character i didn't care about uh, the story, and I just didn't think it was very amusing. And honestly, if this story was flipped, it'd be fucking creepy. If this was a fucking old guy whose parents, you yeah, know, know, and that I, whole I, thing, it's creepy. I know they've ruined uh, these type of stories for me as well, for, for with all the political stuff. But um, yeah, it sounds like uh, you're saying it's too mechanical. It's just not funny. It's just there's. I saw it with a group of people in a theater that wanted to laugh on a Saturday night. It was a lot of dates and a lot of people with couples, and you could feel the vibe. They wanted to get into it. They were laughing at things that were mildly amusing in the beginning, and as yeah. it goes along, it just there was a deadening sound. And there's nothing worse than when you're watching a comedy and it's just quiet for long periods. And that was what was happening here. And the the, the supporting characters, like I said, there's, a, there's a, a best friend who's pregnant and her quirky kind of stoner surfer boyfriend husband, and that's falling flat. And then there's, you know, a sequence. It just felt like there was more to the story than they cut out to, to get it down to something releasable. And I just don't think that this movie is mm-hmm. the movie that's going to shepherd back in the raunchy R-rated comedy like they were trying to tout it to be. Before it came out, that's unfortunate because yeah, I really thought I liked the idea of this. I liked the trailers for yeah. it, and I thought, boy, if they're but um, I mean, apparently they weren't holding anything back <laughs> in those trailers. Um, and you know, I, there are some actors out there who are just uh, the way you, for me the way I would look at like a really good actor, someone who's in the moment. Um, and it's they're undeniably in the moment. Like there's no camera there that's filming. Jennifer they Lawrence. are in the moment. That's oh, you kidding me? Yeah, hell yeah, it is. I think I can. Uh, I think it's it's far more prevalent for female actresses. Uh, female actresses. I don't know how. Whatever. Um, they do it better than men, but uh, you know Tom Cruise does it. There's there's plenty of you know um, uh, Tom Hanks. Any really great actor or actress does that and she can she's she's there she does it like she sells everything she's ever been in um it's pretty incredible but i think it's a comedy i think it's a comedy the character she's playing would have been funny as a supporting character in a better movie do you know what I mean? She's not done a lot of comedy. And she's man. good uh, in comedic parts. Name me a couple of comedies. But this movie embarrasses funny? her. She can be. She has good comedic timing. But this movie leaves her yeah. out there uh, hanging and, and kind of embarrassed. And she's a producer on it. So she mm-hmm. has to have some of the blame, too, in realizing that this material. So she thought it was funny. The material wasn't <laughs> isn't good. And it doesn't make sense and it doesn't the logic yeah. of the characters doesn't add up they it just have not made a very good sex comedy since i, I would say for a decade easily i uh, maybe since what uh, um going past 2010 i'd say past 2012 i think that you're fucked um really and, and that was coming to an end but you know late 2000s was pretty prime for a lot of stuff 
early 2010s, I'd say they're still there, but they're fading. And, you know, 2015 and after, it's just fucking vacant. I'd say the last raunchy R-rated comedy that I really loved was the 21 Jump Street film, you know, the 22 Jump Street, and I think a Ted as well, the Ted movies. So, And Ted, sure, but, um, yeah, I mean, Ted was 2012. I mean, uh, well, well... I think twenty uh, right. twenty two Jump Street was twenty fourteen and Ted Two was two thousand fifteen and ever since then, you know we've had the what's going on in Hollywood yeah. and that's comedies have gone away. But they they thinned out even by the, well yeah I mean I agree they they thinned out by uh by twenty fifteen after that they were pretty much done for um, you know I mean I think of like the the um, the eighties and the nineties is really the prime time for those. And then uh, the 2000s is, is pretty fucking good, to be honest with you. And, um, yeah. Yeah, they just petered out. And we got nothing now. Yeah, it, this is... And nothing now. That last American Pie wasn't really all that great. And I can't imagine the next one they're making, if they make it at this point, would be worth a shit at all. I think that these remakes of franchises and things we saw in nostalgia movies are going to become to a screeching halt after this summer. And um, IPs and original ideas are going to have to be looked at. Maybe <laughs> I don't know who's in charge. I don't know how they're going to deal with um, the people that they have currently in charge of stuff. They're going to have to fire them or something because they're not going to want to do this. So uh, it's going to be crazy. I mean, I'm sounding like I'm down on everything in the theaters, but I just want to reiterate: I do give Mission Impossible Seven uh, a recommendation for people that want to just go be blown away at proficiency in action sequences but outside of that it is a long talky movie that yeah. is very slow <laughs> um also the the flash was i do not recommend stay away from that at all costs um highly disappointing except for a cool cameo here or there and no hard feelings they're already gone though you can't see these movies anymore, well they're playing right? they, these are gone. i think they're in hotel rooms and they're going to be probably available on digital here any day uh, sure but i Streaming is almost like if you pay for the streaming service, you might as well watch the shit. As far as I'm concerned, like you're not, you're not missing out. You're only getting what the fuck you paid for. So yeah, I just the, I, the Flash. I would <laughs> never watch the Flash right? again, and I watch movies repeatedly. I watch it once. I still haven't seen it yet. So I'll watch both. I watch No Hard Feelings. I watch these still, but um, I feel you with it, never watching them again. <laughs> I, I may only watch them once, but I haven't seen them yet. Even so. Mission Impossible Seven. I can't imagine a situation where I would rewatch that, and I've rewatched those that mm-hmm. series pretty constantly. If it's that heavy, um, it's not fun. Then yeah, yeah. It's just like No Time to Die. I mean, I own it. I've watched it one time in the theater, and I've never rewatched it. And I own it just. Yeah, those Daniel Craig movies are, um, or the Daniel Craig Bond movies are so fucking heavy-handed. By the time that uh, that era ends, it's just wow. From where they started, you know, and it was so novel when they started off that. Casino Royale is so fucking good, man. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, even Quantum of Solace I have reevaluated because at least it's short and it's light. You know, it's not Skyfall. It's not Spectre. It's not these brooding epic I masterpieces know. that feel like I'm opening <laughs> up an old book. It's like, goodness, here we go again, you know. An old book, yeah. But. Yeah. All right, let's move on and talk about trailers on tonight's show. I want to start off by talking about Challengers. This is the Lucia Gugano. I think that's how you say his name. The Italian filmmaker who just did that quasi uh, 
Must be Luca. Luca. Uh, he did that movie with Timothy yeah. Chalamet uh, last year, and he's done a couple other films. I think he did uh, Call Me by Your Name, and um, a, a really some highly acclaimed mm-hmm. artsy films. This looks like mm-hmm. he did the Suspiria. There remake, you go. Yeah, which which wasn't bad. I mean, that. I actually thought it wasn't bad for what it was. Um, mm-hmm. I, the original is so good, but yeah, you're right. The, the remake's not actually. I've bad. never seen the original, so that but I knew I know the storyline. Oh, the original is so but good. But the, the that one, the um, new one or the newer one, created a, a mood, a vibe that I, I I did dig on. But this trailer mm-hmm. about tennis stars and uh, a trying a love triangle and is it a sports drama? Is it a sexual thriller? <laughs> what is this? this? Made? What is it? Who is this for? I don't. I. I yeah, I'm watching this thinking, is this a fucking true story? You know, this reminds me of that fucking Wimbledon. What was that Kristen uh, Dunst fucking movie? With, oh, with, uh, with, with what's uh, his name? With, um, with the priest, you know, yeah, the guy. Uh, oh, God. It's funny you called him priest instead <laughs> of uh, Vision, but I know you're Paul Bettany. Because that's better. <laughs> Paul Bettany. <laughs> um, yeah, Paul Bettany. Um, it reminds me of that, which th- that came out of nowhere, and I just thought, who the fuck is this for? And, no, you know, no one watched that. So who the fuck is this for? Well, not only that, I saw this uh, trailer before Mission Impossible, and it's a, you know, a screening full of of I don't want to say adults, but you know, people thirty five and up mostly. <laughs> and yeah. we're watching this trailer, and everybody's snickering at it because it's like everybody in this trailer it's are so, bad. so young too that they're playing too it's, old. You know what I mean? We had we talked about Holt and but it's like a threesome shit. Like oh, my girlfriend and this and that. Like the one guy obviously got, but she's like. Like she's the fucking top dog, you know. She's the woman, but then she's not, you know. Um, I don't. The trailer when the trailer goes like a few years have passed. I just thought, oh my fucking god! I thought what this is the kind of role that Sharon Stone would have been playing if this was 1993. You know, this is not for Zendaya. She does not have. You know what? It would have been more interesting though. She at least would have been trying to kill someone. It would have it would, at least would look like she was trying. Zendaya looks like she's bored in this fucking movie. Every it, 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 ter- we're. The two guys look like they should be dating each Not, other. Exactly. I, it's fucking weird, I, I'm man. I'm telling you. It's seriously, trailer I, it's of fucking the year. weird. If you want to see a terribly cut together trailer in a story that, you, that you're that you just scratching your head at and going, why did somebody get behind this and put money into this? Is this, a, like I said, is it a sexual thriller or is it a sports drama? What does it mean? Well, challengers. What does that mean? Is that the two guys? Is that her? Who's the challengers? Who are Who's challenging what? Who? Anything. I mean, she plays... The story is basically she is this tennis pro, right, who hurts her leg. And so now she has to become a coach. But while she was a tennis pro, she met these two other tennis players, apparently. And they all had a threesome. And then she wound up with one of them. And those two guys were friends. And then now she's coaching. I'm guessing. I can't can't really make out the thing. But she's coaching her husband, boyfriend, whatever they are at this point. And he's now the tennis pro and she has to take second fiddle to him and that's the fucking trailer i'm telling you this should have come out in 1988 it should have had james spader (laughs) and rob lowe in these roles and i would have bought it okay and i would have watched that because that's what that storyline sounds like that would have been much better because you know what those dudes would have chewed the fucking scenery yeah where i get nothing (laughs) out of this trailer and nobody in this seems involved there's no charisma coming off of anybody even the you know the attractives and dia looks bored in this and i just don't buy their age their or anything about this well they play the men the the, the two guys in this that play together are very like boyish like like i said they should be dating each other really yeah. they, they 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 come off as like they're too good of friends like and the, and it's like this rivalry thing but 
it does. It feels like what's the right? Like I'm t- there might be something. Yeah, the more trailer to this might be not, not yeah, showing right, you. You know right. what I mean? It's it's. Weird. I got to give a benefit of the doubt on that. I, I will say that. But as as what it's selling, it looks awful. Just fucking awful. So, yeah, uninteresting. I, let's I agree. talk about a haunting in Venice, which is I think the third official entry of this Hercules Perot series that. Yes, Agatha Christie. Yeah, hey, Kenneth Branagh now, uh, I think, has directed. This is going to be the second or third he's directed. I know he directed at least one of the previous ones that he's uh, appeared in. And I didn't see the second one. The, the, did he direct both Did of he direct them? both of my. Th- did he I not? thought he didn't direct the last one. Well, he did the. Uh, what was the, one, the The Johnny Depp one? On the train. Um, yeah. And then. Yeah. How bad is this that I can't fucking remember? It's this like shit. Strangers on. Uh, <laughs> what was that it's, one? Was that strange? It's, on the the tra- it's murder on a train. Oh, murder on the Orient there Express. There you go. And then you had Death in the um, Venice or Death in the did Nile. Did he direct this? He did. Yeah, Death in the Nile, which I really liked. He did not direct Death in the Nile. Um, and he directed oh, Death he did in the Nile. Direct Death in the Nile. You're right. And he directed uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. So, so I was gonna say he directed um, all of these. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I liked both of them. I, I really liked Death on the Nile. I wasn't a huge fan of of the. Um, the Orient. Of Orient Express, and I feel like this movie again might lose me. I really like these mystery movies. Um, you know, the older I get, the the geezer pleaser I am, <laughs> um, and especially with these uh, murder mystery things. I I don't know. I find them easy to watch, but this trailer is fucking weird. Like, it, first of all, he's not in it until like the end exactly. of the trailer, and then it pulls this bullshit like he sees a ghost behind him in the fucking mirror like what the thing about this trailer is it looks very generic all the way through and then when they do the big reveal that he's in it like ta-da you go who gives a shit and why is this character in this world but who else is in this we have michelle yo and like who like who who the fuck is in this movie nobody nobody's in this fucking movie like at least the other movies had uh, uh other big actors who were good actors to play off of him this movie has no one. Yeah, it doesn't have the big name cast that the other one did. And that's probably because they needed to minimize the budget. I think the last one cost over $90 million And they, they yeah. really cut back. And didn't do so well. I mean, well. you say... But this does feel like Bloomhouse, you know, produces uh, Agatha Christie, doesn't it? In it, some feels, way, it feels very It feels weird. less than the other two. That's why I was very surprised that it was even part of the series and directed by, you know, Brana once again, released by 20th Century Fox, because it does seem tamed down and i bet they they haven't listed what the budget is as of yet but i think the last one cost 90 million i, I would be surprised if this cost half of that um because of the the grosses oh yeah the the death on the nile looked well even orient express you could see budget there like i say this looks like blumhouse this looks like 30 million dollars yeah so I, i'm not too excited about this but um i did want to talk about it because i i thought that the trailer was at least interesting in that it was playing almost a whodunit with the trailer, you know, like all of a sudden he pops up and I'm going to fix this. And I know you weren't big on the knives out mystery movie. The last one. Which, oh, I hate, I hate, both uh, of them. <laughs> I didn't like the first one, but I really did like that second one. So I think as I'm mm-hmm. aging too, I'm getting a little bit more kind to these. Although I always did like clue. I was a big clue fan, <laughs> yeah. um, which this looks like it, it could be mocking at one point. Do you think this is going to have some sort of comedic element to it? Or do you think this is going to be just straight, I don't understand it. How could it like, it's so the horror looking and then it has, I don't, I don't think it'll have, well, you know what? Most of these do have a little bit of, of comedic stuff to it, but I, I feel like this is overarchingly horror 
And <clears throat> it's weird just to see that in this. Like, this is not, I don't know. Did she, did Agatha Christie write horror type stuff? I didn't stuff? think so. I, I didn't know this was part of the series. I don't know, I guess. Mm. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about our last film for the evening, which is, will you say the name of this movie? I can still not get it right after we've tried like five times. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Voyage of the Mimi. No. Uh, last Voyage of the Demeter. Demeter? Demeter. Um, the Dementor. Demeter. I mean, this this is a trailer. The Dementor. That's Harry and Potter. It start, <laughs> is it really? Uh, it started. Yeah, the Dementors. That was Harry was Potter. Trailer. I just I, I had no idea. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm watching this trailer in the theater, and it's going along, and I thought, are we getting another Pirates of the Caribbean movie I didn't know about? Like, was there some sort of in production? <laughs> and right? then yeah. it goes, and I thought, wow, am I not only uninterested in this? I want to pick a part that, can we get a moratorium really? on using 90s rock in an acoustic version, slowed oh, for, down. Thank Stop you. Yes. with this. That was that was novel ten fucking years ago. We Ooh, are past yes. that point, and all it does is, and it's so on the nose on this. With the world is a vampire, and you got what I presume is Dracula there on the fucking boat, and um, the the special effects look good here. I think that there's some good jump scares probably abound in this movie because it looks like a good setting for it. But I can't imagine that this is going to keep my interest for two hours when it didn't really keep my interest for three minutes. What, what did you think about this trailer? <laughs> Uh, I thought this looks pretty good. I I would watch this um, in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, I agree with you on the trailers, music stuff. I'm really sick and tired of that. But as far as uh, a horror movie goes, taking people, putting them in a, a tight spot like a ship and um, turning vampires loose on them, yeah, I'd watch it. I'm I'm sure it's going to be fun. Uh, is this based on anything existing, do you know? Or is this just, uh, it's not a video game or a comic book or anything like that, do you know? Uh, yes, it's based on um, uh, Dracula. Okay, Bram so is this based um, on a Bram Stoker? So it's loose. I'll say loosely based on it. It's um, uh, it, it's based on a, like a single chapter. There's like a captain's log, um, in Bram Stoker's Dracula in the book in the okay. novel. You know, yeah, talking yeah. about his actual um, text. Uh, right. There's like a captain's log of it, and so they took that and they turned it into a, a, a movie. Is this so, the first time whatever that it's ever been done? Do that. Is that the first time this, this approach has been taken? I mean, I know you're a big horror aficionado. Probably yeah. for this. I don't think anyone's um, used uh, this out of the Bram. Yeah. It's not like an old, I mean, if there is a movie that exists like this, I don't not an know old 1950s. <laughs> I guess there could be. It's shit. not like anyone could take the Bram Stoker, uh, Dracula and do whatever they want with it. Uh, at this point, you know, I was like, it's a pretty old fucking book. <laughs> But I don't know of anyone that's done this uh, personally. But I, you know, uh, vampires on ships like this, I feel like um, I've seen before. You have. I don't think that's like a new idea necessarily. And maybe because like maybe because it was from the book. Maybe it was from the it's book. also the beginning of Vampire in Brooklyn to bring that movie up once again. Yes, I know. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I've definitely seen this idea before. I don't think this is a new thing, but it's from... Uh, it is from the book. From Dracula. there is source material to back it up. Okay, that's interesting. Yes, but I imagine that they just made most of it up. I could imagine it made for a whole movie. I just know? wonder what the box office prospects of this is because I didn't see too many familiar faces in it. Probably small, but but come on, this feels like a Screen Gems. You know, I, I I'm missing. That. You're right. This does feel like Rogue <laughs> Entertainment or Screen Gems or one of those kind yes. of uh, offshoot little companies, little B movies. Something that we would have gotten late summer, like uh, Anaconda's Hunt for Blood Orchids or something like that. You know, the, those mm-hmm. little those little uh, ones that sometimes were real good fun, other times were awful. I mean, 
if you had to get if you yeah, had to say the percentage of the underworld series that you actually like all out of the movies are all you serious the, even the resident evil every single uh, one except for the except for the third one the resident evil sure sure i'll say i'll say i like both of them just and that's it <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i don't like them all um resident evil um i think the third one's surprisingly actually after having rewatched them all i think the third one's the worst one and should just be stricken from the fucking record because uh, it's terrible um and i'd say the same for the underworld movies that the third one should just disappear and other than that, they're great. Well, it sounds like we won't be doing the third film in the series for those on our yeah. retros. <laughs> we'll be staying away from that. And uh, we will be uh, returning soon with you guys. We want to thank you guys always for supporting us and let you know we will be returning back with you with a retro of Mission Impossible 3 to continue our look at the third entry in major franchises throughout 2023. We've been doing this to coincide with the big movies in theaters. And since the latest mission came out, we're going to give you guys that next. We want to thank you, as always, for joining us on these episodes. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! Engage!